Hello, everybody. I'm Phil Brandt, President and CEO of AIM Employers Association, and welcome to This Week at Work. This Week at Work is the only show about the workplace that offers you front row seats and a microphone featuring experts in human resources and employment law to bring you practical, timely, and accurate insights so you can more effectively lead your organization. It's Thursday, October 5th, episode 251. Artificial intelligence has leaped off the pages of sci-fi novels, emerged from the silver screen, and extended its reach into nearly every facet of modern life. So how do we successfully integrate something so powerful, so new, and so dynamic? Well, today we have the privilege of hosting Ryan Kohler, an entrepreneurial luminary who wears many hats on his way to revolutionizing the recruiting industry. And his willingness to share the three P's to leveraging this potential is why he's been hand-selected to present at AIM's upcoming Wayfinder Summit in Florida. We'll discover this and more on This Week at Work. All right. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. Hey, Bert. Uh, good to see you. There is a lot going on on Capitol Hill. Big week uh, for you. It's about time. Maybe we bring our friend uh, in Washington Insider, Mr. Plunkett, back to the program, get an update. I, I think that's a really good idea. Jim would uh, would be able to provide some invaluable insight as to what's going on in uh, on Capitol Hill. I don't know. I don't know if uh, how how useful the insight would be, but uh, but but valuable nonetheless. Uh, it, well, it would be insight and better uh, insight than what I'm getting uh, for sure. But, you know, a topic for me that I appreciate more than politics is um, everything in the space of technology. I, I don't know that I would say I'm an early adapter, but I do love uh, the advancements in technology. And we've spent a lot of time talking about the legal side of recruiting and the and the be carefuls and watch outs for which which technology you're using and are you creating a, an adverse impact and you know unintentionally recruiting uh, candidates of one race or ethnic group over another and today we're going to focus on something slightly different we're going to talk about how to use AI to your advantage particularly in recruiting. And we're going to do that with um, some people that you or someone you already know, and that's Ryan Collier. Ryan uh, is a good friend of AIM and has done a lot of things to help our members. I mean, it's really been tremendous. And in fact, he's going to be a speaker for us at our Wayfinder Summit down in Orlando uh, at the end of the month. And he'll give us a little sneak preview into that. So we're going to get back to Ryan in just a moment. Um, but Maybe uh, before we do that, Bert, we should get into the polls, maybe? Is that something you uh, want to try and kick off sure. today? Yeah, before you can even begin to gloss over the polls, I want to plant the seed for you there, Phil, on, on the polls. Uh, as a matter of fact, why don't I give it a shot today? Hey, go for it, Bert. You got it. All right. So the first one is, in what ways have you already utilized AI integration strategies in your hiring process? So there's five potential responses for folks there. So give people a chance to look over that. Predictive analytics to optimize sourcing strategy, resume screening and job matching, chatbots for initial candidate processing, automated interview scheduling and coordination and assessment and skill testing. And the second question for today. Uh, we, we should make one clarification. For those in the industry, the industry term is resume, uh, not resume. Uh, oh, thank you. Wow. I, I, I really blew that one there, huh? Oh, <laughs> so, do you, in, in the See, there you got me, Phil. 
All right. Hey. Do you the second one? Do next you have? Week, HR... I'm taking the back. You don't get them next week. All right. You. All right. That's fair enough. I'll just remind you to not skip them. Uh, so the second one is: Do you have HR policies for AI? And the answers are yes. We have specific policies that align with our organizational AI integration plan. Yes, we have general policies to guide the more common use of AI. No, this falls within our standard ethical and legal policies. No, the use of AI doesn't pose any direct risk to our organization. And then we did give you an out here, and that one is other. So we don't usually do that, but uh, that is one of the available responses today. How'd I do, Phil, other than resume versus resume? You know, I think I'd give you eight out of 10, Bert, um, maybe eight out of 10 stars, but we'll work on it. I know that you're a quick learner and uh, our friend Ryan will give you some tips, maybe how to avoid that. Um, but we would love to get your comments on those polls. And Bert, are you ready to resume with Lawyer on the Clock? I am. All right, Bert, you are on the clock. All right, it's time to look into what's trending in employment law. Lawyer, you're on the clock. All right, so we've got a few topics I want to cover for Lawyer on the Clock today. The first is uh, strikes. And as everyone knows that the uh, United Auto Workers are striking the big three auto manufacturers, seeking a huge, huge increase in their contract. Um, and uh, it, General Motors came out yesterday and said that the historic strike by the UAW has already cost them $200 million in the first two weeks. And that prompted the company to secure a $6 billion line of credit to shore up liquidity. Uh, and that, I think, demonstrates uh, that the GM is really buckling in for a prolonged work stoppage. We all know here in Missouri that the union on September 15th walked out of a Missouri plant. And uh, that's just one of the many plants around the country that uh, is being uh, struck by the United Auto Workers. Uh, the, the UAW president, Sean Fain, plans to update the union's 150,000 members at Ford, GM, and, and Stellantis, which is Chrysler, uh, on Friday of this week uh, about the status of the strike. Uh, very importantly, I wanna share with uh, the union uh, said on Monday, it presented a new contract offer to GM GM in turn said, despite the offer, significant gaps remain, and GM has been forced to lay off 2,100 workers at five plants in four states as a result of the strike. Ford mm -hmm. said Wednesday it was laying off an additional 400 workers in Michigan starting today because of the strike after previously laying off 930 workers, and Stellantis has laid off 370 workers in Ohio and Atlanta because of the strike. Unfortunately, this has a huge ripple effect because that means nearly 30% of auto parts makers surveyed by an industry trade group said they have had to lay off some workers due to the UAW strikes and another 60% expect more layoffs by mid-October if the walkouts continue. So uh, it's going to have a, just a huge ripple effect on a very fragile economy that we're dealing with already. So that'll lead us into one of the other topics I want to chat about today, Phil, which is uh, which is um, uh, a topic, a, a, an article I read from a uh, publication called The Business Insider. And the title of the uh, article was The Boss is Back in Charge. And I know you and I have chatted as we prepped for the program today, and you and I may not totally see eye to eye on the premise of the article, but I would 
encourage people to take a look at the article. And again, it's uh, called called the bosses back in charge. And it basically the premise is, is that between the rise of job threatening AI, strict to uh, return to office mandates and sweeping layoffs, it feels like bosses are clawing back what little remains of employees power that came uh, from the, the uh, COVID pandemic. Yeah. So that's kind of the general premise. Slightly different. Slightly different. I did read that article. And I mean, there are things I, I can agree with within the article. The issue for me was, you know, we, we have an increasing job vacancy rate and we're still at like 9.6 million through the end of August job openings um, that we're having a hard time filling. And, you know, if you took that back to the early part of this year where it was 10 and a half, you know, we really haven't changed or made an impact with our sweeping layoffs that we talk about. And then the other part of that with AI, and it'd be interesting to see our poll results, maybe get Ryan's opinion on this um, here in just a minute, is most people I'm talking to, and maybe it's maybe it's Midwest versus the coast, I don't know, but they're not using AI um, in, in any way, let alone in any routine, productive, strategic way um, from, from that yeah. standpoint. So those two pieces are where I, I just kind of get a little sideways with the article. Yeah, um, what so let I me with is the gap of talent. Yeah, that's and that's what you and I chatted chatted about before the program. And I think that uh, you know it's really interesting. I think the article did recognize, uh, especially toward the end, that AI really has not cost people that many jobs right now. People are still trying to figure out how to properly use AI within the workplace. But what that's led to is, is that some companies are not hiring because they're trying to evaluate whether AI can, in fact, replace some employees. And so it's kind of caused a little bit of a, a pause there. Now, you are correct on the statistics about the number of jobs that are available out there. It hasn't come down that much from earlier in the year. But as you remember, uh, you and I had some discussions, and one of the things that, that, that is significant, you need to parse out those numbers, is that where the jobs are does not necessarily match where the job seekers are right now. You have a lot of people in the tech industry who have been laid off, uh, mass layoffs, and those, are, those folks aren't going to go take those jobs at the fast food restaurants and the restaurant and retail industry. They're, the economy's really out of whack right now, or the job market's really out of whack with where the jobs are. And so okay. while there are a tremendous of skill, yeah. that's a, a bigger issue than both issues discussed in the article. And the skill gap wasn't really addressed in, in my opinion, but that, yeah. That's correct. I, I, I do want to point out, I think that, uh, that, that there were some really interesting uh, uh, or, or surveys that they uh, mentioned in the in the article here, and they the, uh, they they did a survey of uh, 628 job switchers uh, in June, and a quarter of those in that survey regret regretted quitting their last roles, and 42 percent said their new jobs have not lived up to their expectations. And I think uh, they they quoted an MIT professor who said that, quote, I think we were at a period of tight labor markets and a growing recognition of workers' desire to stay, have a say in how they work. 
But then she warned that a narrative was being driven by a few big companies, and it was a little too early to say how much uh, that has shifted. So yeah. I think what they're saying is returning return to office mandates are getting tougher, despite employees pushing back. Uh, that charge really has been led by big tech and banks with various degrees of severity and pushback. So I just think that uh, that, that it's a really interesting article, and it'll kind of, kind of help segue segue us into our discussion with Ryan as it relates to the AI. And then uh, one one other one, Phil, real quickly, that I I, I do want to mention here. Uh, there's also uh, a survey that was released yesterday by Gallup, the, uh, the, the polling company. And Gallup uh, put out a really, really interesting survey or analyzed a survey that they conducted back in May. And that is that fewer than half of U.S. adults, 41%, believe businesses should take a public stance on current events. That's down from 48% in 2022. And so you know, I, I, I think of things that have gone on with like Target and uh, Anheuser-Busch with Bud Light uh, and the pushback that's happened. And, you know, one of the things I have suggested in the program is, is that businesses really need to carefully evaluate whether they want to wade into issues that are divisive, not just for their consumers, but divisive for their employees. And remember that organizations are made up of all kinds of different people from all kinds of different backgrounds. And, you know, most people probably aren't sitting around saying, I wonder where X company stands on the issue of this political or social issue. Most people aren't sitting around wondering that. But when the companies wade into those issues, for better or for worse, uh, they're taking a risk. And I think this new survey by Gallup really demonstrates that. Now, it is interesting that po political party identification has the strongest influence on whether Americans believe corporations should take a public stance. Most Democrats, 62%, according to the survey, believe businesses should take a public stance on current events. That's compared with just 17% of Republicans and 36% of independents. Interestingly, while still high, the percentage of Democrats, well, while still high, the percentage of Democrats who believe businesses should take a stance has declined from 75% in 2022. So I think the numbers do show a, a shifting attitude on this. Yeah. No, that's a great insight. I know we always say, use some caution, be smart about it, be strategic about it. Don't be reactive when you're jumping and wading into these waters. That's good insight. Let's switch our time here to uh, Ryan Collier, our guest today. Um, by way of short introduction, um, Ryan, as I said, is a great friend of the program. He is the founder of an organization called Applicant Pro. He has designed a great system um, that he <laughs> is available to us uh, and you as members of AIM. And Ryan, you're joining somewhere with palm trees in the background. You're looking pretty good there, my friend. Um, tell us where you're at and what you got going on today, and we'll get in some Q&A for you here. I am, yeah, I am in Karak. How do you say it? Curacao, Curacao, oh, Curacao. Venezuela, yep, yeah. on my honeymoon, um, but I'm coming to speak, and so I was like, oh man, I gotta jump on this program, my my wife is uh, waiting for the scuba boat, wait a oh. minute, wait a minute, Ryan, did you just say you're on your honeymoon down there, and you're joining us yeah, on the yeah. program, oh my yeah, god, yeah, but both, both of us are on our second, our second marriages, so that means that we've had practice at this, 
Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Uh, last time we... Today's um, topics are cool. Yeah. Say that again, Ryan. I said, I think today's topics are cool and super interesting. Just the, you know, kind of the feedback from the organizations and where we're at. I think chaos. I was doing really good until they fired up the weed eaters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I can't background noise. Um, but yeah, I know this topic of AI is right up your alley. Um, maybe before we do that, Ryan, what is it you got going on today that you would want our listeners to know about? And then we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming program and maybe what you will be promoting while we're down in Orlando. Yeah, you know, I think I think it's just a super interesting time. If you go back, I've spent a bunch of time thinking back on kind of techno, major technological shifts. So think back to the email time and to the internet first invention and coming along and actually being adopted in business. Um, if you go back to those times, we didn't know how email was going to impact either, yeah. right? Like mail carriers were thinking they were going to be out of work forever, that people would quit sending mail. Like if you if you think there's actually, it's called the hype cycle. And we'll talk about this when I'm down, but if you learn, I think I've got a video on it, we'll send out. But the one thing, to kind of understand and frame in what's going on is the hype cycle. Anytime there is a new hmm. major technology that's worth, like that has massive disruptive ability, you're going to end up in a hype cycle. It's just fact of life. As something new is invented by, you know, a geeky nerd, then at some point those geeky nerds need two things. They need help and they need money. And in order to get other geeky nerds on their team and in order to raise venture capital, they have to overhype the potential of what could be. It's just built into the system of venture capital. It's never going away. And so you get this massive amount of hype and then everybody tries to use it and you see it crash back down of like, oh, it didn't do what was promised. But it's kind of like thinking about, I have an order for a Cybertruck. Elon has promised when that's coming out. I don't take that as a hard promise because I understand what it's like to invent something new. I'm not right. going, oh, Tesla, the stock is going to tank because the Cybertruck's not out yet. Those were much more projections of what could happen. And leading adopters understand that that stuff changes. Right. And that's where you're at with AI. And so every single time that you hear anything, this idea of like, where is the hyper hate coming from? Is this coming from somebody who has something to gain from promising mm -hmm. the world? Or is this coming from somebody whose the status quo is being attacked potentially by AI and they're trying to pull the reins and slow it down? And you'll that gives us a way to see through. It's kind of like even on the same subject of getting back to work. Everybody's got an agenda when they're talking about that concept or that point. And, and you have to be able to figure out the agenda to figure out how meaningful their conversation is. Yeah, no, that's a I, that's a good way of looking at it, and I, I I'm looking forward. I have not seen that um, that hype. Like scale I think the skills gap, the skills gap is a super interesting one. For the last three weeks, I've built, I've probably built twenty different coaches out of ChatGPT that like we sent them out to job seekers. So we're like, hey, if you want to get a job as a marketer but you have no marketing experience, you know, load this thread into ChatGPT, and it will turn into your personal marketing coach. Just yeah. like in five minutes, they can load that thread, log in there and say, hashtag help. And it will say, what are you doing in marketing today? Tell me what you're doing and let me help you. So yeah. collaborative 
kind of like a coach or a mentor being there cuts out some of that skills gap because you're giving every employee technically like a mentor that's available all the time to them and can be trained in like five minutes per topic. So the, the ways yeah. to use AI, I, I think, are just if you go back to your, your poll question, my answer is I'm I'm not thinking I'm using any of those. Let's um let's take a look at our our poll results this far, Ryan, and give some uh, give some opinion on that. So favorite thing we like to do with our guests. Um, I don't know if uh, you all are able to see that here. I'm. Uh, Want me to read it out? Is it kind of small for you? Yeah, please do, Nick. Okay, so in what ways has your organization already utilized AI integration strategies in the hiring process? We have. 83.4% say none. Uh, we have, and then matching in second place, but barely in second, <laughs> not in last, is resume screening and job matching and assessment and skills testing. So, um, And I think we get on a yeah. lot of times in the show, Ryan, we've chatted about, you know, the screening and job matching part of AI and to be careful that, you know, it's, it's not um, set up to give us a, you know, predetermined results. Um, but I know as far as job uh, posting and, and attraction, you've done some very clever things um, and have taught us some very clever ways to going forward. Um, what's your thoughts on any of those results? Yeah, that's, and I think, again, that goes right to it. The The AI companies want to use it or or want to talk about the future of how powerful it could be but we missed the point. Like the number one thing that a company could do right now in recruiting is rewrite their job ad. Sorry, I'm going to find this bar a bit quieter. Is rewrite their job ad. And the reason they don't rewrite their job ads is because they're too busy or they're not that creative or, you know, fill in the blank, whatever it is. And so the AI companies want to push, hey, let's, it's kind of like, you know, why does a Lamborghini go 200 miles an hour when the speed limit never is over 70? Because Lamborghini wants to show how fast a car can go. But so if you take all these things, most of these portions either need to be built into a platform to be used, which means that's out of the business owner or HR person's hands, um, or are weed you into legal areas of either we're uploading people's you know proprietary information or whatever the case may be. Uh, Bert, let's look at this next poll result uh, result and get some opinions from you, our, our listeners. It looks like, does your organization have HR policies for AI? Um, according to this, we have uh, no one that's saying, yes, we have specific policies. Welcome back, Ryan. <laughs> Maybe. Um, Bert, <laughs> so have you... I know your firm works in in this space to help develop policies uh, for us. It's kind of a new space on on AI policies specific to AI. Um, is there is this something that you, you're starting to see more requests from uh, in the firm? Yeah, definitely. Uh, now, now I think it's interesting on, on both the polls, looking at them together, Phil. And if uh, you could go back to the first one real briefly, Nick. The, the number there at the bottom uh, of the first poll that shows that 83.4% uh, are not using AI integration strategies in the hiring process. That means, again, most employers really are not using AI for anything of significance. They're experimenting with it. 
Now, if you could flip forward to the next poll, Nick, so you take that 84% roughly are not using AI, and then you look at this, does your organization have HR policies for AI and only 20% uh, say yes, those are probably roughly the 20% that are using uh, the AI. Now, I think it's really significant here is the federal government, and in particular, the EEOC, uh, Ryan talked about the the hype cycle. I love that. I've never heard that term before, but I will be Maybe using it. We need it. to get you the to come to Orlando, Bert, and come visit us yep. during the summit uh, at the end of the month in Orlando and hear more about that hype cycle. I, I, I love it. It's, uh, you know, the, the hype cycle, part of it is being fed by the government itself. And the government, the EEOC in particular, one of the areas that the EOC has as part of its strategic enforcement plan that we covered last week on the program is AI. And so the EEOC has gotten very, very aggressive on its agenda as it relates to AI. And so uh, you've got legal requirements now. If you are an organization and you're going to be using AI, you definitely need to do it carefully uh, and in compliance with the law. And the big thing that the EOC is looking for with respect to the use of AI, and eventually the courts will be looking at this as well, is is the AI, the artificial intelligence, uh, learning uh, bias? Uh, particularly in the applicant uh, realm, uh, it's probably not as relevant in the decision-making realm with respect to people's actual employment once they've started. That's more performance-based. But during the hiring process, is AI filtering out uh, applicants? Is it learning to discriminate uh, against uh, certain age groups, certain sexes, certain uh, racial backgrounds? And I, and I think if it's really good AI, it would do just the opposite of that. Yeah, well, if, if the AI is done right in that process, it should do just the opposite because it shouldn't matter uh, in that case. You wouldn't have the human bias built into it if it's done right. The challenge is that it's all based off what it was trained on. And exactly. if you think yeah. about that, that's why like deciding where to wade is probably the, the 2023 for the rest of this year goal of a business. Where am I safe to wade into AI? So if we take recruiting as a good example, writing job ads perfectly safe, creating screening questions, coming up with interview questions, um, creating an entire new hire training uh, series of emails to introduce them to your culture and all that kind of stuff, that's all wildly safe area or at least you're equally safe there as you were yesterday having a job description that doesn't get any results. But when you step in to say, like, can it predict who we should hire? Um, you have to, one of two things is going to have to happen. A, we train it on past data, which would be, here's the resumes of people who were hired. Therefore, if that data was based off of bias of, for instance, if you went through all the data of salespeople, you would AI, you would be teaching AI that sports players make great salespeople. If you're a collegiate athlete, you make a good salesperson. Yeah, Phil's laughing because he knows where this comes from. Those are the people that sales managers have liked to hire for right. decades. Therefore, when you train AI saying who is most likely to be in this job, that bias is built into it. Yeah. So it's it's continuing a bias. Now, option number two 
is somebody comes along and tweaks the algorithm, which, which freaks everybody out just as well of saying, no, I want to push my finger down on not that. I want to adjust the algorithm for it. And so you're kind of back to that same problem. There's hacks around it, though, to take the great thing about AI isn't we think it's going to make us more efficient, so we're going to be able to lay people off. But instead, if we think about it and say it will make us more effective and more personalized, that's where we start to see that, hey, I don't want to actually do, you know, do only 10 hours a week worth of marketing instead of 40. I just want to get great results out of the 40 hours a week. I want to be able to change the voice of every email based off of the person reading it. I want 10 variations of my job ads, not one variation. I want those types of things get you around the bias. But if you want, so for instance, to localize that for say who to pick, I upload a resume into ChatGPT and I say, tell me what screening questions to ask. That would be still safe because the human is still there. The, and, and that's, if you want to know where we're at today, collaboration between AI and a human solves most of these problems. Where mm -hmm. the fear and the problems come in is AI instead of a human. When, when a human is asking AI to do something that they couldn't do themselves, therefore they couldn't check the work, that's where most of the gray area or the red area sits is asking, but, but as soon as you get back to collaborative, hey, throw these three resumes in there, come back with a, a job ad that they would like to read based off their vocabulary. Tell me how this one resume is different than the other three so I can go and use that knowledge in an interview. That's all safe area because you're collaborating with a tool. You're just Googling much faster with right. somebody to read it and disseminate it for you. And that's what that's what um, I love about this topic. It's why I'm really excited. Ryan is going to be joining us uh, on October 27th at the uh, third HR summit down in uh, Orlando. Um, it's going to be a, a great topic to hear about, to ask questions on. And what I can tell you is, um, I guess it was about six months ago we were together. Uh, Ryan, and almost since that time and since our conversation and with the few tips that you had shown me at the time, um, I use AI almost every single day today. When I say, yeah, I'm using chat GPT almost every single day for, if not one thing, multiple things throughout the day. It really has become a way that I work and it saves significant time. Um, and I encourage all of our employees to use it. Um, but I, I'm glad to hear you say that we are using it in conjunction with our human oversight. Um, it's not left to its own accord. Um, and at this point, I don't even think it's good enough for that. But as we put our minds with it, then we even get a better product. And when I, I do show it to other professionals, they're excited about that. So I invite you to join. You'll be able to join by simulcast or in person if you're in Orlando. Get to meet Ryan himself and uh, hear more about what he has to say. Ryan, I just want to say we're up against the clock here, but thank you so much for joining on your honeymoon. Uh, tell your lovely bride, we got a chance to meet her last time. Congratulations. Uh, I hope you bring her with you to Orlando. Uh, Bert, good job. Yep. Um, and Bert, we will um, be announcing a program uh, next week that you and I are going to be kicking off our Illinois paid time off 
um, compliance uh, program that you and I are going to be hosting for our members uh, that are struggling to find their way through that new law, which comes into effect January 1, 2024. With yep, that, you and I'll be together on November 2nd for that. Yep. Thank you, Bert. And with that, we will be back here next week uh, at the same time, 7.30 Central Time, 8.30 Eastern Time. We'll see you then. Until then, go be good to somebody. Thank you once again for tuning in to This Week at Work. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your colleagues. Forward our invites. Share the link aimea.org forward slash This Week at Work or follow or subscribe wherever you get your news and entertainment like LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere you are. And you can be part of the show. Send your questions and comments anytime to info at thisweek.work. We'll see you next week, 7.30 a.m. Central Time, when we discuss what's happening this week at work.